Hello, welcome to episode number one of the Mask DC podcast. We're officially here in San Francisco at Build. Uh, this is one of your co-hosts, Glenn Musa. We have Esther Kim, Brady Casper, and Brooke Hamilton here with me. Uh, we're all developers in the in the Mask DC. Uh, we're going to give you a bit of a recap about what we saw at Build and some of the exciting things you have to look forward to. Uh, I think we can start from the keynote. Satya came out and he talked a lot about where does Microsoft and where do developers as a whole fit into the world? Where do, what is our obligations to ourselves, to the economy, to the world socially as a whole? And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, then they jumped into a lot about bots. They talked about Tay, how she wasn't very well received, but we also announced a whole new way of looking at bots and how they interact with people online, on our phones. Brooke, do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, so they uh, announced a framework uh, called the Bot Framework, the Microsoft Bot Framework, which I think is a great name uh, for, for building bots. Uh, but the uh, to me, um, the, the reason that I, I just thought this was great because there's, there's so much about the app economy that is difficult to deal with. And, and so, like, one of the uh, examples that they brought up was ordering a pizza. Well, today, if I want to order a pizza, i got to install the uh, Domino's app, which is actually not that great. And i got to go through, you know, I have to go through a guided experience that Domino's has defined. But with a bot, I can just say to the bot, hey, I'd like to order a pizza. And if I don't give it enough information, it's going to come back and ask me, you know, what kind of pizza do you want? What size? Yeah. Where are you? And, and, and just using voice recognition, it fills out all the data that it needs to constitute a pizza order. So that bot framework is available today, right? Uh, I believe it is. So you, you mentioned to me, just in humor and in passing, that you were going to build your own bot. Like, what idea did you have? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I want to build a dad bot, because I always get the uh, the exact same questions every week. Like, okay, what recycling day is it today? And then is every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, I get this text. What day of recycling day? So if I, if I had a bot, I could have my kids text me, and then the bot would respond, and I, <laughs> I wouldn't have to deal with it, right? Um, but then... To, just to, to build on that, what what I thought was also amazing is the fact that they're uh, releasing the idea of cognitive services, where they have a whole array of services that use uh, machine thinking and machine learning to do things like recognize objects in pictures, uh, and you can combine uh, and also do a very advanced voice recognition. So you can combine the the idea of a bot with a whole array of cognitive services to make your bot more intelligent, and use your bot to uh, connect to all all sorts of other different services. Um, so that, that was one thing that I just thought was amazing today. So on that, on that same page, you mentioned those cognitive services they were talking about. And if anybody out there is listening and you have a chance to go to Channel 9 or go to Build's official website and rewatch the keynote, um, or you can just go to Microsoft's Twitter account, I highly recommend uh, checking out the little cognitive services spot they put together. It's about two and a half minutes long. It's about a software developer who works here at Microsoft. His name's Sahib Singh. Uh, he lives in London, and he's uh, blind. And he talked about the challenges that he faces every day. He can tackle using cognitive services plugged into a device. It's not a HoloLens, but it's a, a device for the blind. And he's able to work throughout his day um, and use these cognitive services to tell him what's going on at either at a, a meeting. For example, they had a video where he was at a table and he was t- having a meeting and he's like, 
oh, I wonder if people are falling asleep at this meeting. Are they even paying attention to me? And he can swipe at his glasses, and the glasses tell him, looks like I see a 34-year-old female who is happy and a 40-year-old male who is content. And just the cognitive ability to really not worry about what the hardware is performing and just get to this service that can give you a response about what the hardware is inputting. And I think that's, that's amazing. Uh, it ends pretty, and the whole video just gave me goosebumps. Um, got a little teary-eyed. I will admit that this guy took into his own hands the ability to change his world around him and that we work at a place where you can enable that. And that, that to me was awesome. Yeah, it was a really inspiring video. Uh, and, and just to, to give you guys a couple of uh, URLs, so if you um, want to look at the bot framework, it's at dev.botframework.com. Uh, and the uh, cognitive services is at microsoft.com slash cognitive dash services. And if you want to look at uh, the, they have an example of the bot that will um, caption a photo, uh, that's at captionbot.ai. Yeah, CaptionBot's great. It, it uses more of these cognitive services, and it works. It's a simple use case, but something that you can show off to your friends. Uh, more along the keynote, I think one of my favorite parts of the keynote was when uh, two of the uh, founding engineers of the HoloLens team came to, together on the stage, embraced in an in a awesome bro hug, and you could audibly hear, if you're listening to the stream, I love you, man. Like, that is so cool. That is something you do not see at every conference. So that was amazing. And Brady, you want to talk about HoloLens, right? Yeah, so it's really cool. The reason that they were doing that, they expressed so much, you know, bro emotion for each other, was because today is the day that the HoloLens are shipping. And, you know, I'm sure they've committed so much time and resources and just energy over the last who knows how many years right. um, to really to get to this day today and, and you know while they're certainly not done it's an awesome milestone for those guys so many of us actually had the opportunity today to go into um, a HoloLens demo environment <laughs> which is um, if you have been following anything about the HoloLens you know that they've been doing work with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and um, the Curiosity rover on Mars and we were actually able to go into a simulation, um, a simulated Mars environment using real images from the surface of Mars, wearing HoloLens on our heads, and walk through a, a brief tour um, dictated by Buzz Aldrin. And um, they actually got Buzz Aldrin, I believe, to, to actually dictate in the real tour so that when you're in there, you are physically seeing Buzz on the surface of Mars, um, is this a video or like a 3D scan of Buzz? No, it's it's a he, like it's a holograph of Buzz on the surface of a holographic Mars. So you could walk completely around him. Yeah, he's there you could walk mind. around him. Um, another cool example that they showed us while we were in there is they're like bend down, bend down and like look underneath the surface of this rock. Like you can see that um, over hundreds of thousands of years, wind has formed this little little cave under wow. here. And you could go inspect like the underside of that rock, a really, really incredible experience. Um, they also brought out a hologram of the Curiosity rover and, and gave us a cool example of that. We learned that it's seven feet tall, it rides on 20-inch uh, wheels, and uh, weighs <laughs> 2,000 pounds. All really important pieces of information there. Um, but it, it also ended with a really cool um, holographic demo of... A, a small scientific Mars colony where there's astronauts, you know, performing experiments and really speaking to the future of really humanity, where eventually will be a multiplanetary 
um, society or, or species, which is right. a crazy thing to, to think about. And we were envisioning it on the real surface of the planet Mars, which is mind-boggling and incredible and, and maybe really excited for the potential with that technology. Right. You mentioned the potential of that technology. And I think, like for me, being in that demo, you got just transformed. You got sent through time to being a child and being like, wow, you're learning these things for the first time, but it's completely immersive. You're on a different planet and you see this rocket take off into space. That's truly something unique. Yeah, one of the things I loved in the keynote was <clears throat> the the Hololens demo of uh, the Universe app. I don't remember what the name of the app was, but Galaxy um, okay, Galaxy Explorer. That's right, uh, and I, that one almost brought tears to my eyes. The idea that you could look at the globe as a planet and then explore the universe from from the the perspective of being in space. I mean, I just to me that it was just an incredible idea, incredible experience, and in the the imagery of it. Uh, really, really a thought. Just very emotional imagery. Very emotional. And if you want to be a part of that experience, I believe they open source that code today during right. build. So yeah. it's out there, it's available. I'm not sure the exact place I to it's find on it. GitHub, actually. It's, it's on GitHub, but like, I'm not sure exactly right. you know, where on At GitHub. The repo it is, but if you yeah. go to GitHub, yeah. Microsoft's account, you should be able to. Definitely something awesome, cutting edge, you know, really cool that, that you should check out if you're interested. Uh, yeah, and I know that it, I wasn't there personally, but at some of the HoloLens uh, sessions today, they talked about being able to reproduce the SDK effects without having a device. So you can learn these skills without having to purchase an actual dev kit and be prepared to make these awesome experiences for people. Speaking of awesome experiences, uh, Brooke talked about bots, and he talked about how I could ask this bot to order me a pizza. Um, it's all about this, this world of AI. I know that Cortana's been a a happy part of our lives for like two years now. Um, but today we learned more about her. Esther, do you want to comment on that? Sure. So today uh, we learned about how Cortana has some new features and its extensibility. Um, the, in the past, Cortana did not have any proactive notifications. It was all reactive. So in the way that if you some maybe set an alarm at a certain time, then at that time you would get a notification from Cortana. Now you can have Cortana be proactive um, and ha gain insights so that you can tell Cortana with this insight to do a certain action. I thought that was pretty amazing. One of the examples that they gave at Keynote, which I found super powerful, was when um, the user needed to send a PowerPoint presentation to his friend Chad or something. And so he just asked Cortana, hey, um, Cortana, you know that PowerPoint I was working on last night? Can you please email that to Chad? And Cortana got it right away. Well, first Cortana had to um, ask you for your consent, which I think is also really, really important for anything that it or she does, she or it will ask you for your consent. Um, so Cortana was like, "Can is this the PowerPoint you're talking about? Can I send it to this chat? And you get to say, I agree or yes, and then she will do that flawlessly. Um, I know that in a brown bag uh, that we had in the past year, Reactive notifications was it, and there was no proactive. Now that we can get proactive notifications, I think that's that's amazing. One other example of a cool proactive uh, use is when 
you want to tell your family that you're leaving work at a certain time. If you're late and you're running to your car and you're grabbing your things, you don't really have time to like call them or text them in a and get home as quick as you can. So what you could do is have Cortana figure out that you're moving have and then have Cortana actually send a text to your families that you're on your way home and um, what your ETA is. Along the lines of making Cortana personal, um, I know that we all know that she's had some canned jokes before. Do you remember what the the remember the joke? I don't think it was a dad joke. I think it was a science joke. Oh, it was a science joke. Yeah. It was a science joke. Okay, what was the joke? The joke was... Or like what they, what they well, asked Well, so, yeah. so the the user was, was like, hey, Cortana, tell me a science joke. Okay, so not a dad joke. Oh, and then Cortana said, sodium, 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 Batman. That sodium's uh, element symbol is N-A. So, na 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 Batman. <laughs> thank you, Esther, for, for walking me through that. I, I didn't quite get the joke, so, so thank you. We'll cut all this. <laughs> or not. Uh, or not, yeah. Just cut straight to the laughter. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll just put the laughter in. One last thing, though, the, about Cortana that I noticed was that Satya, during the keynote in the morning, referred to Cortana as it. So, it this, it that. Okay. But at these uh, breakout sessions, it was a she. Okay. So, so where do we want to take Cortana, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, if you ask Cortana if, you, if she's male or female, she'll it will say neither, right? Right. She's AI. Yeah. She's an AI. So it's an AI. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get it right. It's too much. Too much Halo that I played. <laughs> All right. And uh, we went into a lot of sessions today, but notably, um, we attended a session with uh, everyone's favorite uh, author of programming languages, Anders. Um, Anders Helsberg? Yeah, Anders Helsberg, that's right. Yeah, Brady even got an exclusive interview. Brady, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so, so first of all, the session with Anders was about um, the, the future of TypeScript or, and what's happening in TypeScript right now. And it's really cool to see him kind of flawlessly flow through a few different um, tools and just prove out these pretty complicated TypeScript concepts um, as if it was, you know, it's nobody's business, and he, that, that dude is just so smart. I mean, if you, if you haven't, if you don't know who Anders is, he is one of the, the chief architects of the C-sharp language, and, um, I actually asked him a little bit about that, so my question was to him, how has his experience with, um, creating languages in the past influenced his work with TypeScript now, and he had a great response. Let's go ahead and listen to that. So I guess my first question is, what that you, you know, your experience C-sharp, how is that kind of transferred over to what you're doing in TypeScript now? Okay. And that's well, a bad I mean, question, but Well, no, but, but, but you know, the thing about programming languages is they're 90% the same and 10% new. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, all the theories that go behind writing a compiler, like writing a scanner and a parser and a lexer and a checker and an emitter and... It's all the same, you know. Um, so, so I've been doing languages and compilers now for almost 35 years. So, so, so you know, yeah. I've, Is, I've, I mean, I've are, you, there, you, are you finding new fun things that you're experiencing? With I, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, this is this is a very different take on the problem. You know, like with with. Uh, I, I'd say previously the type system was there, you know, so that the code generator and the emitter could actually use that, right, mm -hmm. uh, to guide the 
the eventual machine code output. Here we have types for a different reason. It's really more types for tooling sake. Right. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you, had the, you have TypeScript, the type with the, the straight JavaScript. Right, I mean, they're so. optional, first of all, yeah, which exactly. means they're not provably correct, but they're super helpful. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're there, and, and, and really, in a sense, it speaks to how tooling is becoming more and more important for, for, for expediously writing large applications. Yeah, absolutely. So you need good tooling. And in order to have good tooling, you need good tools and good compilers and language services like we're building with TypeScript. Makes sense. Any advice for you know a team that's starting to adopt more TypeScript type apps? Um, I think uh, just you know approach it with an open mind, you know, and 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 just you know know that it is simply a superset of JavaScript. Yeah. Uh, it is not a new language. And know that you have to know JavaScript in order to use TypeScript, right? Because TypeScript is really more about the tooling. Uh, but also know that people consistently tell us that they get 3x more productive when they go there. And the larger the project, the more productive. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, last question, Angular or React? <laughs> you had to choose I love all of them. <laughs> I, I'm not going to choose. It all you depends on what you're... No, it all uh, depends on what you're doing, that, but yeah. I will say that we're, we're, com we're committed to remaining neutral on frameworks, if yeah. you will. I mean, it's we're, we're there to provide excellent tooling, and we will work just as hard for, for you know, I mean, and, and that's that's the way the community wants it. Of course. Yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot. Oh, you're Hugely pleasure. appreciated. Great talk. All right. Have a good one. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a soundbite for later. <laughs> Wow, thanks for that, Brady. That that was great. Yeah, um, as you can see, he's you know he has so much experience, you know, and it's just incredible to to uh, you know just be in his presence and, and learn from him. Um, I asked him after that question. Um, I was just like, all right, what do you prefer, Angular or React? And he, uh, <laughs> true, like true to the, an open source, you know, what he's doing, he would not commit to either one. He's right. like, we're just supporting all the different um, JavaScript libraries we can and. Uh, you know, obviously, it depends on the application of uh, th that you're actually building. So, right, like you said, it's it's whatever tool solves the problem best. Yeah, right? exactly. But that was a great experience, and um, he also had a interview later on Channel Nine, which, you know, anything that you can you can see that that he's produced, definitely check out. He's a really smart dude, and there's a lot to learn from him. Great, thanks for that, Brady. Uh, I think Brooks got something to add too. Yeah, I went to a session in the afternoon on the future of Visual Studio. It was, uh, it was done by Amanda Silver, who's a group program manager. Uh, and, it, you know, one of, the, one of our um, main themes at Build is uh, more personal computing. And the way that Visual Studio is evolving to support more personal computing is that uh, it, it needs to support us as developers in producing applications that work across a lot of different kinds of devices. And if we want to build software that runs on different devices and different platforms, then Visual Studio's got to support a lot of different languages. So one of the, the really neat things I thought uh, that she showed is that Visual Studio will now support not just its own project system, but it'll support uh, all the languages that just exist on a file system like Python. Uh, and it also has uh, you know, syntax coloring and IntelliSent support. And their goal is to support all of the major languages that are used on all of the major platforms uh, with full tooling support, with the full experience you expect to get in Visual Studio, uh, which I thought was just fantastic. And, and she, she gave a little demo of Python where you just go into Visual Studio, go file, open, you open a folder, and it shows a Python project, and it, it's got uh, you know, all the, the usual tooling that you expect to see in Visual Studio. 
And if I could just add to that, along the lines of being you know, cross-platform supporting anyone no matter where they're working, Visual Studio Code is now an open source tool. Oh, yeah. So you can, you can you know, download that source code if you want, and it runs on the three major platforms. So Windows, um, iOS, or Mac, and, and, and Linux. Um, so that's just kind of continuing that story with open source cross-platform. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I know that I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for IntelliSense. So opening it up <laughs> as much as possible is great. I mean, I mean, speaking about uh, having all of those cross-platform uh, things be native to Windows. I mean, the biggest thing that came out really uh, probably the biggest thing probably yeah, the biggest probably thing the biggest was thing. that Bash is now coming to Windows. Oh, yeah. It is a, now out. a native yeah. language to Windows. And I think that's huge from when uh, it was just used in Linux. Right, like, there, there's always these stories about Microsoft of the 90s was this walled garden where if you wanted to be a developer and you wanted to develop on Microsoft, it was Microsoft only. But now we're in this, this new realm where if you want to be a developer, come use Azure as a platform. You can use any environment you want. You're going to build it for any device you want. And this move to bring the Linux kernel onto, Microsoft, onto our stack is just a, a big step in that direction. Yeah, I was particularly pleased to see the Bash stuff because I'm on a project right now, which is an IoT project, which is all cross-platform, uh, you know, Linux, uh, Microsoft VMs, uh, and the one thing that I keep hearing from uh, the systems guys is, I wish we had Bash for Windows. <laughs> and I, no, actually, I wish we had SSH in Bash for Windows, right? Uh, right? And so now they're going to get it. So I think that's fantastic. And that, so it's a real impact on customers. All right. Um, that about is a lot of the, the highlights from day one. Does anyone, what's, so one of my favorite things to do on, on podcasts is when I hear them, they, they always have the last call. And it's like the, the, the words of wisdom for that day or for how they're feeling. Do you have a last call, Esther? About how I'm feeling? Do you have a last call about anything in general? So for me, my last call, personally, is I really just want to say shout out to Marco Sacasio. He was our sleeper cell at Build today. We work with Marcos every day down in Reston, and we see this guy 24-7, one of the most brilliant people we know. And it was just such a surprise to see him today. So my last call, Marcos Casio. Thanks for coming out, buddy. All right, uh, I'll give one. So, uh, just one other thing that I saw that was amazing is uh, so we announced today the um, Microsoft Identity Library, which inexplicably is MSAL, and so, you know A for identity. I'm not sure why. Probably because MSIL is in .NET. But uh, uh, anyway, with two lines of code, and they showed this in the demo, two lines of code, you can connect to any identity provider, anything, any kind of identity provider, which I thought was uh, just outstanding. My last call is to uh, a hero of the American Space Age, Buzz Aldrin. Walked us through that tour of Mars today, and I don't think I could have done it without him. Esther? My last call is to my very precious cat, Tilly. I miss you so much, but I swear me being at this conference is so worth it. Please understand. Are you sure she's listening? <laughs> oh, she's a subscriber. And on, speaking of subscribers, if you're not following us on Snapchat at MASC underscore DC, if you're not following us on Twitter at MASC underscore DC, if you're not following us on Instagram now, thanks to Brooke at, at MASC underscore DC, do it. Uh, we're posting a lot of content 
every day, making sure that you stay informed of build, making sure that you get exposed uh, to what it's like to be around other Microsoft developers and people who work at Redmond and work all over the world. So thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait for episode number two. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Yes, good job, everyone. Your first podcast. You did good. You did good. I was like the like the grandpa. I just realized that there's no camera. I'm like, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.